Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. For West Ham fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews, and the best West Ham videos and podcasts, download the free COY Irons app now from the App Store and Google Play. On episode 71 of the Green Street Hammers podcast, Adam and Henry look back at West Ham's unlucky and disappointing loss to Burnley before looking ahead to the crucial upcoming match against Norwich City. Keep it locked on the Green Street Hammers podcast. All right, welcome to the Green Street Hammers podcast. We are here to talk about all things West Ham, and right now that is all things that are frustrating as West Ham are coming fresh off of a 1-0 loss at home to Burnley. Uh, But before we get into that, I'll introduce my co-host. As always, it is Henry. Henry, how are you doing today? Um, I'm all right. It's a shame about the result. Um, Thought they were unlucky, but we move on. We move on, and you know what? A lot of people were talking about this match being a potential three-point uh, game for West Ham, and if you judge by the stats, if you judge by um, maybe not even the form coming into this one, but but just the momentum that West Ham had, the belief in themselves, the injuries that were impacting uh, Burnley, you would say it, it, it could be looked at as three points dropped here for West Ham, but um, it was a match where if we, got a, if we got a point at the outset, I would have been completely happy with because Burnley are a team that are looking to, to get back into European football here. Uh, what, was your, what were your thoughts going into this game? Injuries included, but, but also the form of the teams. Where did you see the result going? And what was your actual prediction uh, from our prediction piece on Green Street Hammers? Um, I, I predict us to win 2-1. I was quite uh, nervous about it because I knew Burnley has sort of had our number quite recently, except for the 4-2 win we had over them last season and like of course Burnley are a very difficult team Sean Dyke sets them up so well and they're so solid defensively um so when obviously we heard Jack Cork and Ben Mee were injured there's probably a lot of hope that maybe they won't be as solid as usual and they might be a bit disrupted because they haven't got the usual defenders um that we'd be able to take advantage of that but unfortunately we weren't able to no, and I think it was Kevin Long was in at center back, and if you heard his name once, that would have been at the entire match because he wasn't really pressed all too much. A lot of pressure was on Tarkowski. Uh, Tarkovsky, uh, he actually was the in the center of some controversy. He got a yellow card for what should look like, in retrospect, a red card. Uh, he sort of had a downward stomp on Bowen's leg, not even really near the, the ball at all, and that was with about... 10 or 15 minutes left in the match and really a chance for West Ham if they knock Burnley down to 10 men and lose to lose their captain as well. Could have been a chance for them to, to really step up. But this was really a match of wasted opportunities and also um, West Ham's weakest link right now getting exposed. Uh, let's talk about that goal. 38 minutes in, Jay Rodriguez scores a header. It was a pretty seamless, seemingly not even real dangerous cross uh, that came in and, and it just... It just looped right past both center backs, and he figured Cresswell would pick up his man. He even looked over his shoulder prior to the run from Rodriguez, 
but Rodriguez just zoomed right past him, headed it almost off his own shoulder. It went crossbar, ground, crossbar, post, and in. Uh, the side view looked like Fabianski could have grabbed it, but in reality, he was a few feet away from actually being able to, to get a hand on the ball there. And it was just so West Ham because the Hammers were, were dominating the game up to that point. Yeah, it came after we had a few good chances to score really at 0-0, um, especially with Suchek and Antonio. Um, but I think the goal was sort of the fault of both fullbacks, which sort of just highlights how much we need to invest in those positions. Like Fredericks, he could have maybe got there a bit quicker to stop the cross in the first place. And Cresswell, I mean, it's almost worse that he's looked back and seen Rodriguez and still made the decision to try clear of his foot rather than put his head where it needs to go. Um, if he hadn't seen Rodriguez coming and he hadn't looked back, then it's just a case of, oh, he hasn't seen the man and he hasn't spotted the danger. But the fact he spotted it and not correctly reacted to it makes it a lot worse, if you know what I mean. No, I, I completely agree with you. Like He, he knew the, the pressure was coming. He knew he had a man to mark. Uh, and actually, the whole back line was out of sorts there because there was, I think it was Barnsley or actually, no, it was Peters. Uh, it was playing on the right mid spot um, who was also open further back. Not an immediate threat to bang the shot on a header or, or on the first touch, but he was open if the ball had gone long. But to your point on Cresswell, uh, basically, if he, if he didn't have to make a play on that ball, he wouldn't have because he your, your mentality should be get to the ball first, win every ball. His mentality was let the ball come to me if it does, and, and if not, I'm not too hard-pressed, which is why he threw the emergency foot out. And if he made contact with Rodriguez, it's a penalty. And if not, Rodriguez gets to the ball anyways, and, and it's a goal as it was. So com- completely terrible. And you know what? As many people are saying right now, uh, with Mark Noble not being involved in this game and, and on the bench in the last one, West Ham need to invest in these younger, exciting players who are going to carry the team forward. And, and Noble last week, I thought he was all right, but he did slow the, the game down in the midfield. Every time the ball goes to Cresswell, he slows it. He slows the game down. He has his hands up like, who's making a run for me? Because he's too afraid to carry the ball and too afraid to get up pitch because he can't get back down. Uh, he was he was pretty bad um, and he all game. And he also was at fault for what should have been another goal uh, if VAR wasn't there or if uh, Chris Wood could have held his run for half a second because the ball went straight through Creswell's legs. And by the time it was struck, his head was looking back at goal because he was afraid to get hit by a cross. So I, I don't know what he brings. And I guess the question is him or Mazuaku for the next match against Norwich because Creswell's upside was that he can defend better than Mazuaku, but now he can't attack at all and he can't defend at all. So I, I think there has to be a change made as far as fullback is concerned on the left side. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think Mazuaku deserves a chance. I mean, I know he's been error prone himself um, in some of the games he has played, but he is very good going forward. That's why a lot of people want to sort of see him um, utilize as more as a winger. Um, so he can sort of not worry about the defensive duties as much and just focus on getting forward and creating chances. But you're right. I don't think he could be defending any worse than Crespo as he might. His errors might come in a different way, whereas it's not a defensive thing. It's more of a, um, a hot-headed, a hot-headedness clearance into the middle of the park like we saw against Brighton. Um, but the other option is obviously Ben Johnson can play at left back as well that I think a lot of people want to see be given a bit more game time so he could potentially be given a starting berth over Mazuraku if Moyes isn't sure about Mazuraku's defensive capabilities either so there's there's a couple options there to replace Cresswell it's just obviously Cresswell's got quite a lot of um, 
standing with the team as he's like vice captain usually when Mark Noble's on the pitch. So it's sort of, if you take that out, how much leadership has gone from the team? And I don't actually think that much leadership would be taken from the team because I think Rice, Suchek and Ogbono are sort of the leaders working their best at the moment. So Cresswell's position is really going to look um, a bit tedious if going forward if people aren't going to think about replacing him. I completely agree. And I think to that point, I think he's on the verge of being replaced. And I think the Norwich game would be one where you look to replace him. Uh, he would be going, Mazuaki would be playing against Buendia, uh, who's a, a very talented player. Um, but I, I don't know. You have to make some sort of change. And, and before we get into Norwich talk, I, I want to talk about the rest of this match here. And, and Yarmolenko started the game, which there was a lot of pressure online to see Yarmolenko starting. And I actually thought he played pretty well. Um, he didn't have uh, an opportunity. He had a really good chance, one shot on goal, I believe. Really good chance uh, near post. He shot it right through. I cut. To, I said it before it happened. Cut to my cup to his left and shoot with his left foot. It's exactly what he did. Uh, Pope made a great save, and Pope made um, he, he made four saves in this match, and every one of them was world class. He he absolutely stole the the points for Burnley in this game. But uh, Yarmolenko started. He played uh, roughly. What was what was the uh, what was the minutes on him coming in here? Uh, I can't even can't even see from my match recap here. But uh, he did come in and he did start the game. Actually, the lineup said he was on the left side. He wasn't at all. He he was for the start of the second half a little bit, but he was right side. And also he switched off with Antonio up top. Uh, I thought he he had some danger in, in how he was putting the ball into the box. He was switching back and crossing rather than just shooting all the time. And I thought he looked fine. Um, he also has really good footwork, and he also is one of the only wide players we have that plays in Fredericks forward, which is where Fredericks can make uh, more of an impact. Every time you've seen Bowen hold on to the ball, he always looks to cut in himself, and Yarmolenko is, is fine at releasing Fredericks. So um, we'll see how that goes moving forward there. But right after uh, Rodriguez scored in the 38th minute, West Ham took the ball and kickoff. Ogbonna sent it down. It broke after a few bounces to Antonio, and he was in alone uh, and shot the ball, hitting the post, the outside of the post, and putting it wide. Uh, a pretty inexcusable miss from Antonio. What, what did you make of that chance? Oh, I thought it was desperately unlucky, to be honest. I thought he did really well to sort of get through and have the chance. And it's just one of those where it's sort of come off his foot slightly wrong, and it's just gone the wrong side of the post. Like, obviously, he should be scoring. Like, 100% Antonio should be scoring that challenge, but... It's not like he spooned it wide. He, like I thought he did all right, and it was just sort of one of those unlucky. It's just gone the wrong side of the post, really. I I can see your point there too, and he also didn't boom it over the net like he usually does, or didn't miss it as wide as he has before, where it goes out for a throw. Uh, he he literally just overcooked the curl on it, and it uh, and it went outside of the post. My my thought was basically you have to just get it on target because if you're missing the target and then. And shots on the post don't count as shots on on goal, I don't believe. So if you're missing the target, there's no chance for it really to come back into play. If he shot it and it bundled off of Pope's leg as he was out sprawling and the ball comes back forward and Fornals is there, Yarmolenko's there, there's another secondary chance or the ball gets cleared out, whatever it may be. Um, But it's so indicative of why West Ham needs a striker to be playing striker because you would hope they would slot those chances home. That being said, Sebastian Allaire comes on the pitch, touches the ball one time. The second time, it drops in front of him. He shoots it from even closer on goal, and Pope makes an unbelievable toe save. Was that poor finishing from Allaire, or was that just an incredible save? I think it's a bit of both. I mean, obviously, Pope was 
an unbelievable, unbelievable tonight. He was my man of the match, to be honest. He was yeah. so good. But Haller, for the money that's been spent on him, it ha- it's like Antonio, like you said, like he should be scoring. And I thought Antonio sort of got closer to scoring with his chance and Haller, like he didn't really hit it too well which allow Pope to make the save, but he has to be scoring that. Like He's just outside the six-yard box, and it's a golden opportunity. It, you could put it down to maybe Matt Sharpness. It's his first game back, and he's only literally just come on, but he has to be scoring it. If he scores that, it's an entirely different game, obviously, because we'd be drawing, not losing, and we probably would have looked the better to push on and find a winner. But that that was probably the moment for me where that was our best chance to get something out of the game. Yeah, I completely agree. That that to me felt like the make or break point. Looking back at hindsight, of course, now, um, you know, it would have been so big for for his um, mental state as well. He's coming back from injuries, trying to establish himself. By all accounts, he was doing awesome in the uh, in the, the sort of preseason action we had there in, in the two closed door, uh, two two or three matches. I think it was two matches. He scored in both of them. Um, it would have been just so integral for him getting off to a great start. Instead, he kind of faded in the match after that point. He wasn't running. He wasn't staying central. Uh, he, he wasn't really pressing. And at one point in time, he took what looked like to be a foul near the end of the game. Uh, he took an elbow from a player who sort of stepped out. I think it was uh, Tarkowski or Long stepped out and, and elbowed him, not even in, in an aerial duel, just stepping forward. And he laid on the pitch instead of getting back up and, and trying to get into a dangerous area. So the announcers were having goes at him. He did not look match fit or ready in my eyes at all. He wasn't running. He wasn't doing anything. Um, I don't know. It just seems like everything that we had going positive in this game, going into it, completely has fallen off the rails here. West Ham were scoring in their last couple matches, uh, three against Chelsea, two against Newcastle, completely dried up against a team. Like Burnley, that's well-drilled and defensive, but doesn't have the highest talent level and had like we had mentioned some massive injuries here uh do you think this is going to be a game that affects the mentality of the players moving forward or is this one that they can hopefully uh say you know we had some bad luck and ran into a hot keeper and move forward uh what do you think the the mentality of the team is going to be and and do you think there's going to be some adjustments made player wise uh based off of this performance um, I definitely think there'll be a few player changes ahead of the Norwich game. I think you'll probably... I mean, we're hoping to see maybe Cresswell be dropped out and Maseraki given a run. Haller maybe to come in to start the game. I think tonight was the worst of Haller that we've seen a few times this season where something's not fallen his way or he's missed out on a chance and then he sort of just faded out of the game, sort of lost interest. Whereas if that goal had gone in, you might have seen him a lot more up for it. Um, so that's sort of the issue of Haller. There's very much two sides to him. One that's getting his way and is like being really combative and like throwing his own arms up everywhere. Like if you think back to the game against Southampton where he went up with the duel with the goalkeeper and then scored the goal, like that's the, he got up to do that. It's not that like he fell down and then stayed down for a minute, which he did tonight. So I'm hoping he'll probably be given the start against Norwich. I'd imagine Antonio will be rested because he's he looked ragged by the end of the game. Yep. Um, but hopefully he'll be a bit more up for it and have things maybe go his way and we'll see a better side of him, which we have seen most mostly likely against Norwich in the first, in the reverse fixture where he scored uh, both goals, I think. No, he scored definitely scored one goal. 
from a great Maseraku assist. So maybe that would be a nice combination we can see again at Carrow Road. Um, but I definitely think there's positives to take from the game. Even though we lost and we didn't score, it's not comparable to the Wolves and Tottenham games where we showed no fight or no fitness or no real um, ability to create chances. We created chances. We did keep going as much as we could throughout the game, but we just sort of ran into a block brick wall that was Nick Pope and the Burnley defence. So there are definitely positives to take. It's just a very frustrating game. Like you said, it's just coming up against a goalkeeper that wasn't going to be beaten and is going to be the in the lead for the Golden Glove by the end of the night. Yeah, I, I can't argue too much with that. The chance creation was there. I thought Ogbonna was terrific in this match. He was stepping up a lot. I, I did think that um, Rice was not as impactful as he was against Newcastle. Uh, I think he, he was kind of let down by his teammates, to be honest. He refused to give the ball to Cresswell a bunch of times. And Fredericks on the other side, who he, he's he's good he's good mates with, um, it seemed to let him down. He sort of shrugged off a couple of misses from from Fredericks. So definitely some frustration. And I don't think you or I would be shocked, surprised, or upset if we saw both fullbacks taken out of the the Norwich match to to sort of try and spark something different here um, moving forward. But we will get to that. Um, any final thoughts on this match here? I, I want to basically know. You know, maybe we can end on this to sort of round out our thoughts. Um, West Ham used two subs in this match. As we mentioned, Sebastian Allaire came on uh, and Albina Jetty was given roughly five minutes of, of playing time where nothing could really get accomplished. What do you think of, of Moyes' management in this game? And do you think he really had many other options to use to change the complexion of this, this game when Burnley was largely lumping the ball up the pitch and West Ham were, were holding on to it much better than uh, their counterparts? Um, I wasn't really too impressed with Moyes' management, especially his subs. Like Ayeti, from what I know about him, I know we haven't seen a lot from him, but he is a relatively quick player that sort of prefers to get in behind defences and like run onto through balls. So pretty worthless bringing him on with five minutes to go when the team's going to be sat quite far back. Like there's not going to be any space for him to play to his best game. So he's just going to be shouldered out of it by the big Burnley defenders and it's not really his fault. It's not working because it's not playing to his strengths at all. Really. Um, I didn't agree with the Yarmolenko coming off. I thought he looked like one of our better players. Like I thought he was getting into good areas. He had the, sh- the effort that you said about that. Nick Pope saved it as like near post that I thought was unlucky not to go in as it went through the defenders legs. He looked, I think he looked really up for it. Whereas Antonio, he looked like he was starting to the like all the games he's played started to catch up with him, and he was starting to look tired. And as they were dropping deeper and deeper, Antonio becomes a bit less effective because he's more he uses his pace to his advantage. Whereas if the defense is sat back, it's the same problem as a Yeti. There's not going to be any space for him to run into or get in behind the defense. So you should have been keeping your big players on for your crosses coming into the ball to give yourself the best chance of winning headers. So that was my issue. I think one thing I did think about was about the fullbacks. I thought Fredericks was all right. I saw he's got a bit of criticism. I know he had a bit of an error for the goal, but going forward, I thought he looked a lot better. Like He put in a great cross for Suchek's effort, which was desperately unlucky not to go in. But I didn't think he was too bad. He did Nothing really came down his way. 
too often. And I thought he coped with it quite well. There's a moment in the first half where he got back brilliantly to make a tackle on um, Vidra. Yeah. So I wouldn't be too quick to drop Fredericks out just yet. I still still think he's got a few more games in him before like maybe dropping off and then you think about replacing him. But I still think he's worthy of his place to be starting. I agree with that for sure. I, I'm actually a Fredericks fan and supporter in this case and in, in, you know for the majority of the season. The one thing I didn't like from him is he, I don't know if it's coaching or personal decision, but he does not want to be the first player to close down wide players. Uh, and on the, the wood goal that actually went in but, but didn't count for offside, uh, he... I think it's was it Taylor? Is it Chris Taylor? Yeah, the left back. He was open and had about 20 yards of space between him and Fredericks. And Fredericks wasn't rushing out to try and get him. He was sticking back to defend. It was very odd. He he basically invited the cross on or for 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 Taylor to run in. I just it was com- completely weird to me. And I don't know if that's a mental lapse or if that's Moyes saying that you know the fullbacks should be marked by the our wide players at all times so he's waiting for whether it was Bowen or Yarmolenko at the time to come back and pick him up it just looked very odd to me but but I agree I just think that we need to see some we need to see Ben Johnson at some point in time in this restart to see what we have in him because if they enter the offseason not knowing if Johnson can you know challenge for starting minutes or not knowing if uh Ryan Fredericks is going to be their de facto starter then it's going to be another summer of West Ham not doing anything in that spot. They need to sort of figure out what they have before they can assess that, but uh, we'll come to our transfer plans uh, in a little while here. What we are going to do is take a quick little break here, and when we come back, we are going to talk about the upcoming match against Norwich. Up next for West Ham is a weekend clash with Norwich. Uh, Norwich are coming off a 2-1 loss against Watford, where we needed them to win or draw. Instead, uh, Danny Welbeck pulled out a bicycle kick and now is in the talks for goal of the season. And it was a goal that really did sink West Ham's hopes of pulling away, but that was also hinged upon the Hammers getting a result against Burnley, which they didn't. So as it stands, uh, Norwich are still at the bottom. They lost this match in West Ham, I believe, can relegate them with a win on Saturday. Uh, Now, I'm torn on what to do for this match because West Ham have important fixtures coming down the road and and as it stands as i'm sitting here talking with you right now uh brighton is losing 3-1 to liverpool so there is still the opportunity for west ham to actually jump up the table with brighton if they continue to drop points Uh, but you also want to ensure and secure a win or a result i think anything less than a win against norwich is not acceptable but you want to start a strong enough team to ensure a result so what is your thought here? We did say that there, we thought there would be um, some player personnel change in the starting lineup for this game, but do you think West Ham starts heavy, or is it a gambling team that you see come out of the gates? I think it's got to be a gambling team. You've got to, you've got to go for the win. You've got to go really attacking, I think. I know Norwich, I know you pointed out Buendia early as one of their better players, and I really like him. I think he'd be a good signing for us, actually, as a replacement for maybe Lanzini. But like you said, I don't think he's the quickest player. So I think Maserati would be a good option to me marking him because he should be able to sort of, he should have enough pace to get back and cover if Brendier does get the ball and he is slightly advanced. But yeah, we've got to go for it. I think a win suits us obviously the best. A draw would be all right for us, but then you're looking over your shoulder on the other results because I think at the moment it's trying to just stop these bottom three teams getting points rather than us getting points 
So if we can get a draw, that'll be a good result for us. But a win would obviously be the best because it's a win, obviously. Yeah. And it would stop the other teams below us being able to leapfrog us if they win their games tomorrow against, I think Bournemouth have United and, no, Bournemouth have Tottenham and Villa have United. So we'd think they'd lose both of those games. So we'd be going into this Norwich game with our four point lead still intact over those bottom three. So a draw wouldn't be too bad against Norwich because it would sort of basically put them out of it. Um, And then you just got to hope that Villa and Bournemouth still continue to drop points. A win should be the minimum required, though. I know I'm saying a lot about a draw, but we have to beat Norwich realistically to at least prove that we should be in the Premier League. We need to be beating the bottom team of the, the league table. I mean, we beat them very comfortably in the London Stadium match. we look, I was at the game and we looked very comfortable, weren't really threatened and we played some really good football. I think that's one of the games we saw the best of Haller. And Maseraku was exceptional that day, flying up and down the left flank. So if we're able to recreate that performance, we shouldn't really have too much of a problem getting the result. Um, but obviously Forrest are going to be fighting for their lives and are going to be tricky because for them it's the shootout now. So they're going to be going for every game and we need to make sure we're alert to it. But I think the best way to get at Norwich is to really put them under pressure early on. Um, I think if we were able to get an early goal, they're not too good at getting back into the games. So it's just a case of just making sure we start fast and really put pressure on them. Otherwise, the longer the game goes on and the longer Norwich have like a, a sniff of the goal or a result, then we could sort of find ourselves back in trouble if we do lose the game. And that would be the worst case scenario, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. And just looking back at their their last match against Watford again, I think what you said really resonates here with getting on them early. Buendia scored a four-minute goal to start the match. And it was basically Watford's goal to get back at level. And then once, once Welbeck scored his goal, Norwich began pushing after that and they ended up the game with 13 shots, three of which were on target, but with 56% possession. And uh, that's something you probably wouldn't expect out of a Norwich team. But if you look at if you look at the way the mentality of the you know a team like Watford or West Ham versus Norwich, Norwich are fighting a battle that is not very likely to end in their favor, whereas West Ham and Watford are fighting a very much more realistic battle to stay out of the relegation zone, not even get out of it. They're both just trying to to keep their heads above water here. I think almost the motivation could be higher for a West Ham team in the sense that they're, like you said, trying to prove they belong in this league uh, rather than trying to just just trying to get in this league and, and remain in it. I think you know Norwich have been done for for quite some time here, but if they if West Ham can pressure how they did in the first half against Burnley against Norwich. I don't think there's going to be any sort of competition here. Uh, when you look at the match for West Ham, formation-wise, something I always like to uh, hypothesize on. It's something I every every game I, I hypothesize on, and every game I mess it up somehow. Um, although I may have gotten it right today, I think I did. Yeah, I think I did. Either way. Um, that's not what we're here to, to talk about. Uh, what formation are you are you deploying West Ham in for this match to get the most out of the team and to, to start the, the match on the front foot here? I think it sort of depends if Hallis starts or not. If Hallis starts, then you need to be playing 4-4-2 really and have someone next to him, either if it's Jared Bowen or if Antonio plays again. 
um, then that has to be the way with the standard back four, maybe with Cresswell dropping out from Azuaku. And then Rice and Suchek have got their places nailed down. I agree Rice wasn't as good today, but he's still the first name on the team sheet for me. And then your left wing will be four nows, right wing, Yarmolenko, and then Bowen and Haller up top. And then you'd hope that that would be enough going forward and there'd be enough firepower in, in that team to be able to get through Norwich and probably outshoot them because it doesn't look like we can keep a clean sheet really to save our lives. In a game where we looked fairly solid defending today, we still conceded a goal due to our own errors and then the goal that was just offside. Like They only really got up the field a few times, but every time they looked dangerous because we're not the best defensively. So we need to make sure we're scoring goals if we're going to win the game. And I think that will probably be the best way to do it would be if Haller starts and you've got that second striker next to him because then that's how you see the best of him. Now, so, yeah, that'd be my, my plan. Now, do you... Is your thought on Antonio starting the game on the bench your desires or what you think will happen? I think if, if it was up... To, if it was my desire, Antonio would be 100% fit for every game and <laughs> not feel tired or have any risk of injuring himself on his, on his hamstring. Um, I don't know if it will happen or not. I think Moyes is being quite stubborn and he might play him. But he'll just have to be keeping an eye on him and make maybe he'll play him and hope that we do score a few goals and then he can take him off earlier. That might have been the thinking today, but it didn't happen and he came sort of became in a catch twenty two whether or not he takes him off or not. Um I think it would be risky to play him from the start with how much football he has played. I mean, it's starting to get on that tightrope of whether or not he's going to pick up another injury. I mean, hopefully he doesn't and he plays the whole game and he scores a hat-trick. That would be ideal. But I think you've got to start worrying about injuries because we have played the same 11 back-to-back now and the games are coming up so quickly. There needs to be some sort of rotation. So I think Antonio might come off the bench or at least be dropped down to the bench for the game. But I'd be, I'd be surprised to see him start. I mean, I'd like him to start, but I'd be surprised to see him start five games back-to-back in such quick succession. Yeah, I'm so torn on this one because I think you have Moyes who likes to go with what he thinks works. And today, to, to pull Fornells off um, was the right move. Fornells was not getting into the game in his position and getting another striker on was, of course, a need. Um, but I think... I think it's going to be a 4-4-2, and I think it's going to be Mezuaco on the left, Fredericks on the right, your center backs. Although I thought Diop had a bad game today. Um, I think it's going to be Diop and Ogbonna. Left side, I think you're going to see Felipe Anderson, Rice and Suchek in the middle, and I think you'll see Bowen on the right with Alaire and Antonio down the middle. <clears throat> and then I think what will happen is this will basically be like we've been saying a, like a gas pedal game where the team just tries to start as quick and as fast and as hard as possible and try and like you like you again like you said get a couple goals early in this game and then pull off Antonio for you know a jetty and then pull off uh Hilaire for for nows and you know let the team shift back into a, a four two three one and then Yarmolenko comes on for somebody else and like you know what I mean just just trying to buy some space and time if 
Anderson's fit. If not, I think you'll see Alaire. Uh, sorry, I think you'll see Fornells on that left side. But I think there's. I think we're gonna see Antonio playing with the hopes that he plays only 45 minutes for the right reasons that he doesn't have to score any more goals because the team's up three nil at half or something like that. I I just I think there's a stubbornness to Moyes um, that that's been pretty apparent. And I don't, I can't see him stepping away from his talisman, especially with Alaire. If Alaire had scored today, I think it'd be a different mentality, um, because he would have proven that he's fit and able to go and everything. But yeah, I just, I just don't know what to, what to really think here. Uh, if you had to put out a prediction here, a scoreline prediction, who would you have uh, scoring for West Ham if you do have them scoring, and what do you think the game's going to end up looking like? Oh, it's a tricky one. I think it could go either way. I know we were all positive for the Burnley game, but I think that might have been a bit blind optimism of thinking we beat Chelsea and got a good point against Newcastle um, and sort of doing what we did with Wolves of underestimating them. Whereas Norwich, we beat comfortably earlier in the season and they, I mean, they could very much go to the way of, oh, it's done now, like, and not really show up and we could run riot. Because if we played like we did today and the ball goes a yard either side of the goalkeeper, we run riot. So it's a very tricky one to predict because if Norwich come out all guns blazing and put us under early pressure, then it could go a horrible, horrible way. But I'm going to probably be positive. (laughs) And I think we're probably going to win 2-0 would be the hope. But I think what the last few games have shown, if anything, is how much we're missing Robert Snodgrass to go a bit off peak um, for the moment. Like what he brings off the bench, his energy and like ability to play across and everything, stuff like that would have been brilliant today. So I really hope Snodgrass is getting on well and maybe can turn up for the last bit of the season. I know it's not looking likely, but I think he could be important if he does. Yeah. Sorry to go back. Easter. I just, no, no, no. I, I think I think you're justified as well. So two nil. You think uh, who do you have scoring if if uh, if if you can put a name to it? I'm probably going to go with uh, Bowen and Suchek. Okay. Bowen, I think he's due a goal, and Suchek, he constantly is getting in the right places at the moment, and he was unlucky not to get a goal today. So I wouldn't be surprised if Bowen did turn up with another goal. And Bowen, I think he's. I think he desperately wants a goal um, after assisting three in the last week. I think he, he wants it to be his turn to be celebrating for a change. Completely agree. Yeah, I think Bowen is primed for one, and this could be a match where he gets one. I, I think it's going to be um, pretty lopsided for West Ham. I think Moyes probably would have been screaming at them at halftime, and I think he'll be pretty rough on them this week. Um, but I do think we see that that really heavy attacking team come out against Norwich and try and basically put the fire out before it starts. I think I'm going to even say like four nil or four one, with the hopes of it being three in the first half and then coasting and, and sort of squeezing another one out in the second half. I think Bowen is prime for one, but I also think Suchek, like you said, is going to be a guy that gets in there. But I see Alaire getting off the the snide here as well and asserting himself in. Um, we're, we're we're nearing the end of this episode here. Do you have anything else that, that comes to mind when we're looking at this Norwich match that you're sort of highlighting or want to see more or better of from, from West Ham? Yeah, I think with the Norwich game, I think, as we both sort of said him to be a goal scorer, I think it could really suit Bowen. Like, coming up against either if he's on the left or right, Max Ahrens or Jamal Lewis, 
I know they're quite quick fullbacks, but they're not the strongest. And Jared Bowen is quite the bulldog. So I really think he could muscle his way through the fullbacks and have a good game just with his physicality over them. I think he's got that bit more experience. He's a bit more sort of savvy with the footballing way and knows how to sort of can maybe get a couple dirty tricks off on them. So I think it'll be a really good game for Jared Bowen. And I really think he can he will be the difference on the day. Um, so yeah, that's sort of my last thought of, I think the sort of the key battle to watch out for will be Jared Bowen against the Norwich fullbacks. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good, that's a good shout there. My main man for this one to watch is going to be Sebastian Allaire. If he does start the game, um, their best defender this season has been Ben Godfrey. And now he's got a 50 million pound price tag slapped on him. Um, I don't know if he'll go for that much, but I do think he will go. And much like uh, Jeremy Ngakia, I think he's probably ha- his agent has his head turning a bit right now, getting prepared for this exit. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see Godfrey maybe not at his sharpest. Um, but I-, I was really impressed with someone who we think, uh, I think collectively at Green Street, thinks that West Ham should look into, and that was Jamal Lewis against Watford. Um, he was isolated a lot. Uh, his team was stuck in the box or not moving a lot, and he was... Uh, dribbling his way right down the the byline the entire time he was he was looking really solid um so it'll be interesting to see how he gets on in this match but yeah i'm, I'm looking at Alaire. i need him to have a, a you know a, a match where people say yeah it was good but it was just norwich i need him to still have that yeah it's good part i need him to score to assist get the flick ons get central uh that would calm me down a lot for the remaining games this season here um but uh anything else that you want to jump on here uh, I think that might be it for the preview. <laughs> I think so as well. Uh, so uh, for, for Henry and everyone at Green Street, as well as myself, uh, we say thank you guys for listening. A real bummer today that West Ham didn't get at least one point. They certainly deserved it. Um, but we move on and we look forward to this Norwich match coming up. Come on, you Irons. Play, play, play.